Welcome to My Journey, the podcast for individuals who are seeking to write their own stories while creating a more healthy life along the way. My name is Brian Pickowitz. This is My Journey. And now it's time to start yours. What's going on, guys? Welcome to My Journey. I am your host, Brian Pickowitz, and I want to welcome you all to episode number 14 of our show today. So today's episode, we feature the figure competitor and life coach, Steph Rowe. And Steph is someone who I think is the epitome of being a badass. She is one of the most authentic people that I've ever met. And if you are looking for an example of how to own yourself, Steph is the light that you need to really turn to because she's a shining example for anyone who needs that kind of support in their life. Steph's journey though to life coaching has been one of the most unique ones that I've encountered and I think what makes that so special about her is that there's a constant development of pushing past barriers and beliefs but also having the strategies to help her clients on the other end. Steph's journey started as a figure competitor that was destined to accomplish her pro card. She was on her way. She was gaining this following. She was gaining this momentum. She had an amazing physique and then she suffered a nearly career-ending injury when she was training eight weeks out from her contest and one of the machines broke, leaving her with two torn quads. And being Steph Rowe, being the person that she is, she didn't accept that as a limitation. She decided that there was something deeper that she was being pushed towards. And she talks about it here, but there was a moment where she said that she knew that she was either going to go down one path or the other. And that's truly where she started to allow her passion for life coaching and mindset strategy to be her new focus for her life. And so in this podcast, we talk about her journey in fitness. We talk about competing, but more than anything, we talk about breaking through limiting beliefs and a lot of the different habits that we have that hold us into self-sabotaging patterns. And so Steph is an absolutely amazing example for anyone who is looking for motivation, looking for inspiration, but also looking for support and accountability to reach their goals. And you can follow her at Steph Row Fit on Instagram and on Facebook. And you can also find her on YouTube under her same name, Steph Rowe. And off of that, what I want to do is I want to give a special shout out to our reviewer of the week this week. So this review comes from Sharon Vidari, and this review is called All Around Health. Love this podcast. It's not just about being physically healthy, but emotionally, mentally, and sometimes spiritually healthy too. Absolutely became hooked after listening to the episode with Sarah about being curious instead of attacking oneself with food. Love listening to all these people's stories because it motivates me to look at my own and be proud of my accomplishments and have hope for the future. If they can do it, so can I. Thank you so much for this, Sharon. I really do appreciate it. This is such a lovely review, and I'm so grateful that this podcast is giving you hope because that is our biggest goal. And at the same time, what we're going to do is we're going to give you a free Be A Light t-shirt. So what we're going to do is we're going to connect with you on Instagram, make sure that we get the size that you want. We'll fill up the order for you completely free, and we'll give you your t-shirt right away. So thank you all. Remember, you can be the reviewer of the week too. We're going to be giving away free clarity calls, free t-shirts, and free programs going forward. So go to iTunes and give us a quick review and a five-star review. 
too. <laughs> that would be great. And if you guys want, shout us out on your Instagram. That boosts your hopes too. But the last thing I want to say here is that for those of you who are seeking hope and just aren't sure how to get there, aren't sure how to get the results you want, and are really struggling to create a new transformative lifestyle for yourself, you can download my free ebook, Proclaim Your Power, where we walk you through the step-by-step -step system to find hope in your lifestyle, to create amazing transformative results, and also to find the confidence that you're lacking in order to step into your personal power and to live the life you deserve. So you can check that out. You can get it for free at www.proclaimyourpower.com forward slash ebook. And on that note, thank you all for tuning in. And here is Steph Rowe. Steph Rowe, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Brian. <laughs> like, um, it, it, I just saw you yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, it's like, uh, a constant influx of time together. Now. I know. You know the I know. Gym, spending time with Lindsay. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. Well, so I, first, I want to thank you for joining me today, and I'm really excited about sharing more of your story and a lot of the things that you bring to light mm -hmm. with everyone. Just because you are such an amazing person, you have such an amazing backstory, and you're an absolute badass. But I wanted to start by kind of opening up about where your fitness journey started and really how did finding one magazine change the course of your life? Literally my entire life. Right. So, um, so I was always into sports like high school and then I moved away. It was my, I think it was my, it was my sophomore year of college. I was going to SMC and then I transferred to UNLV. So it was my first time away from home. And of course I gained the the sophomore, we'll call it the sophomore uh, 40, because I gained about 40 pounds and I moved away. And when I went back to visit my family after a few months of binge drinking and binge eating, and uh, my family did not sugarcoat a thing for me. They were like, what happened to you? You gained so much weight. You look terrible. Specifically my uncle. My mom was a little bit sweeter. She's like, Mamita, what happened? <laughs> do, do we need to get you a gym membership? Like, you know, uh, I can, I can, you know, uh, go and visit you often and cook for you. I was like, mom, it's not that I'm just making bad choices. Like, just leave me, just leave me alone, you know? So I knew what I was doing to get myself into that mess. And they made me feel pretty shitty about myself. And my family's like that. They, they'll just tell you straight up. And I'd rather it be that way than, than, you know, hush, hush in the, in the family. So I took it with a grain of salt and I went back home and I wallowed in my own misery and probably drank some more and ate some more. And then one day I was going to go do laundry and I took, uh, I, I needed detergent. So I went to, I think it was a CVS and I walked down the magazine aisle, which happened to me like right across from like the detergent aisle. And I saw a muscle and fitness hers magazine and Amanda Latona was on the front of it. And I was like, holy crap, like that girl has abs. She looks awesome. I want to look like that girl. And so I was in the laundromat and I'm flipping through the magazine. And then I came across an eight week challenge that they were hosting. And it wasn't Amanda Latona hosting it. It was Nicole Wilkins hosting it with uh, Kim Odo. And it was an eight week challenge, super simple. Um, they gave you, I believe it was four sets of diet and two training protocols to follow during the eight weeks. And I was like, you know what? What do I have to lose? A few pounds? <laughs> Great. <laughs> so I took my first progress pictures ever, which was in 2010, 2010. Because uh, the magazine was like uh, May, June 2010 issue. So I took my first progress pictures then and I submitted them. And in the eight weeks, I lost, I think it was close to 28 pounds. Wow. 
and granted I went from eating and drinking whatever I wanted to very precise meals, drinking a gallon of water a day, doing my cardio, you know, and the exercises weren't anything crazy. It was just the, the regular old here's shoulder day, here's chest day, here's leg day. So I lost 27 pounds or 28 pounds. And I was like, Oh my God. So you're saying if I follow a diet plan and I do X, Y, and Z, I can, I can, you know, get in shape and I can, uh, and I felt good. Right. My confidence level went through the roof. I went to my, my first pool party and I was like, yes, like I'm winning at life. I live in Vegas. I lost weight. Like I felt great. Um, and at that time I was a office manager and I was just getting promoted to a marketing manager for a video surveillance and security integration system company. Um, so I had been at that point, I had already done marketing stuff for a, uh, a restaurant chain and I was doing the IT stuff now. And I was kind of in this weird position where I was like, I really love fitness. Like I'm obsessed with fitness now. Right. And college was over. I moved back to LA and I joined gold's gym. Mm. And I remember training one day. I didn't, you know, I didn't know who this person was. And he, you know, he came up to me and he's like, have you ever thought about competing? And I was like, yeah, I've, I'm thinking about doing bikini. And he's like, no, you're not made for bikini. You need to do figure. And I was like, who's this old man telling me what to do? Turn around, it's Charles Glass. I had no idea who he was, right? I was like, at that point, I didn't know my head from my ass when it came to fitness. So I didn't know who Charles was. And I was like, who's this old dude telling me what I can and cannot do and what category I should, you know, go into? And Charles was the one that actually took me under his wing for wow. about a year and a half. And he trained me and he hooked me up with his dietitian. And that's how I did my first competition. And wow. yeah, and then I, at that point, Gold's Gym has opened up so many doors for me. I mean, I get why people move, right? <laughs> I get yeah, why people move yeah, from across the country to come to Gold's Gym. Um, and at that point, I did a few competitions during the years. I got into working in the fitness industry, which was my first, I, I guess, my first real job in the fitness industry. I was an outside sales rep for Europa Sports, which I loved. I just didn't really like the sales part of it. I loved engaging mm -hmm. with people. I loved going into, into accounts and shooting the shit with my customers and asking about their kids' soccer games and, and talking about you know, the newest supplement that came out, but I didn't like the sales part of it. I loved mm -hmm. engaging with people and making them my friends. I loved making friends. Uh, so from there, I saw an opportunity open up with metabolic nutrition in their marketing department. So I moved there. And then I've also been with Proceps in their marketing department. Currently, I am like freelancing with a couple different companies, but my main company in the, in the sports industry is uh, Project AD. So I'm part of their marketing department. Uh, I'm a branch of it. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, I guess that's my segue in all of that. People were constantly reaching, me, uh, reaching out to me about fitness coaching. Mm -hmm. So I was always doing the marketing sales thing, but I always got really, I was always fulfilled by fitness coaching. Mm -hmm. uh, and wh while all that was going on, I always realized that there was deeper conversations happening as to why things weren't getting done or why people weren't following their diets and, um, and I always knew it was a, a road that I kind of wanted to ask more questions, but I didn't know what my boundaries were. Mm. And, and so fast forward to, or I guess backtrack to last year, uh, around this time, actually almost to the day, uh, <laughs> uh, February, I think it was February 16th. Uh, I had an accident at the gym where I was 
sitting on the shoulder press machine. And as I was pressing, the seat collapsed. And I partially tore both of my rectus femoris tendons from the hip. So I was in a walker for about three months. Uh, I couldn't lift my leg at all. Like my, both my legs could not lift them an inch. I actually had to Uber it to my mother's house to shower because she had a walk-in shower because I couldn't get into my tub in my house. Um, so it wasn't like a small little injury. It was pretty severe. And at that point, I was seven weeks out from the show where I knew I was going to get my pro card at. I knew. Mm-hmm. I, I, had, I had done everything in my power in the five years that I had been competing. I had done everything right that time everything was right and every all the stars were lining up and i was excited because it was a, a show in ireland so i was going to get to travel to ireland and go to the jamin the, the jameson distillery like <laughs> jesus like kill two birds with one stone right so um so i was really stoked about that and then i had that accident and mm-hmm. i felt lost well no well, I, I don't mean to dive in i yeah yeah jump in i wanted to distill a lot of these different pieces because i feel like each one has their own story mm-hmm. um so <laughs> so what i wanted to know first off like the first thing that came to my mind is like what was it like to actually change with train with charles glass oh. because charles glass is one of the biggest or the most successful personal trainers and, and fitness coaches or anything of the like whatever phrase you want to give him right he's one of the most notarized people so let's, let's pull it back to maybe like that zone. So like, what was that actually like training with him first? And like, when you're going through this process, like, did you start to like gain momentum to want to get into competing more? Like, 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 what was like some of the sparks that were like, okay, I really am passionate about this. Um, you know, just watching my body change motivated me so much and training with Charles you know, he, he's trained some of the top Olympians. So his techniques are, are crazy. I learned so much working with him. Uh, and he has such a great heart. So just being around him and I was training at that point, I was the 4am crew. So it was me and three other girls and he would put us through crazy circuits. So we would, you know, by the end of it, I think one day we counted that we did, uh, 19 different exercises for our legs that day. And it was like, over a thousand reps. It was crazy. So his style of training, I mean, obviously it changes for every person. All the girls that I trained with in the morning were uh, figure competitors and had to bring down their legs. Mm -hmm. So we all had something in common. So we had the plyometrics, right? We had to do a lot of plyos and, and high circuit and, and high rep type of training. So he knew who he was sticking you with and the type of training that you needed. So I did learn a ton from him. And like I said, I did my first show under him. So, you know, watching my body change and, and be able to kind of cross that off my bucket list. Oh, I competed, I stepped on stage. Um, and at, for my first show, I, I won my class. And then shortly after I went to my first national level show, the USA's, and I got third. And I was like, I think I saw the point system. I was like two points away from getting my pro card. And I was like, ah, and I like threw a fit. Oh, I, I'm a competitive person. So like <laughs> I, I threw a fit. And then, you know, I, I think I took a year off after that. And then I had to do another local show. I still trained under Charles at that point. Um, and then just like everyone else, your body kind of hits a plateau at mm-hmm. some point. And that's when you have to really dig deep. 
and decide, okay, is this something I really want to do? And some competitors don't know how to take the time off. Mm. Um, and it was really hard for me. It was really hard for me to take the time off and gain weight. Right. So the gaining weight part screws with a lot of people mentally and it, mm. it, uh, it seeps into other parts in, in, of your life when, when competing doesn't go right, other things suffer in your life. So, um, it was really hard for me to kind of learn that through the, through the years of competing. And, uh, Charles was always there to kind of pick me back up and be like, you, you know, you're fine. You're so new at this. Like you're just starting, stop beating yourself up, you know, we'll get it next time. So he's, he was really great at that and instilling confidence, even when I didn't feel like I had it even, mm-hmm. you know, even when I, when I didn't feel like, Oh, well, I understand it's off season, but God, I want to be shredded all year round. So he was able, he was, he was always really good at pulling you back to reality and being like, look, we're here to work. So pull your head out of your ass, basically. <laughs> yeah. One thing I, so as I was really thinking about a lot of things I think would be valuable here, you know, I, I want to kind of dive into, I'm glad you brought up the injury and, and really that segue. But one of the questions I had before that is, I see you as like one of the most badass people I've ever met. Like, I think I've told you that, like you are just the epitome of just someone who doesn't pull any punches, but is authentically yourself. And one of the questions, yeah, absolutely. One of the questions I had was, were you always that confident or did you find that through fitness and not even necessarily competing, but just like this process over the last, it would have been really like five years. Right. Like you were able to like, did that like allow you to come out of your shell more? And, and is that something that you find that most people benefit from this or like what, you know, kind of what's your take on that? Because I feel like for you that either that was there or it wasn't, I just wanted to hear about that. Right. Um, you know, I think there's, there's certain turning points in everyone's life that uh, produces the person that you are right now. Right. So it wasn't like this big thing that happened in my life where I'm like, ah, now I'm out of my shell. It was literally small things throughout my life that have happened where I'm like, life's too short to hold back or life's too precious. Say what you want to say. Um, and, but you know, to answer your question, uh, one of the things that brought me out of my shell uh, the most, because I was actually pretty quiet in, in elementary school, middle school, even parts of high school, I was still very quiet. My friends were very loud and outgoing. And I was like the quiet, shy one that, hmm. that helped everyone. Right. Even, even between my friends, I'm going to make my friends listen to this podcast. Cause they're going to crack up when I say this, they're like, that's <laughs> why, that's why you won homecoming queen. Cause you were so nice to everyone. And so they're still <laughs> pissed about that, that I, that I was the one that won homecoming queen. Uh, but they were, they were always the very loud ones. And I was always the very quiet helping everyone. Um, and when I turned 18, <laughs> I applied to Hooters and I got a job at Hooters. Oh, and, wow. Right. So when I, when I started working there, actually the very first day they give you like the Hooter handbook and the Hooter handbook says you are there to entertain, entertain, entertain. And not in a bad way. It was just like, you're there to provide an experience for your customers. And even if you are shy, because sometimes you are shy when, when you're starting a new job, they're like, pretend that you are a character and 
just pretend that you are with your family and your friends. And these are your friends that are coming to visit you. Every table is a friend that's coming to visit you. So we need you to be outgoing as possible. And in my head, I'm like, oh crap. Like I, I am very shy. Why did I do this? Like, this is dumb. Um, but it actually worked. You know, I would, I would, before my shift started, I would kind of give myself a little pep talk, like, all right, let's go make some money, college money. I need to pay for college. Right. So, um, I would give myself a little pep talk and I would go out there and after a while of, I'm going to say acting like I wasn't shy, it became who I was. Mm. I was, it, it became so much easier. So for, you know, every table that I approached and spoke to and shot the shit with, it became easier to talk to the next table and the next table and the next table. And so it was just practice, right? Yeah. It was just practicing having conversations with random strangers and I, I, I can go on and on about all the odd jobs I've had, but I've bartended, right? I've bartended on and off for 10 years. So I have also, that has also helped me in not being shy and telling people how it is and um, being able to hold a conversation with a random stranger about anything, really. Even if it's something I don't know anything about, I will ask questions and let that person lead the conversation. I'm not scared to not be uh, to not know something about a topic. I'm not, I'm not scared about looking stupid. So, um, so yeah, so those are the, those are the fun, the fun things that brought, you know, me to this badassery place apparently that you think I am. Um, so those are the, the fun things, but then there was not so fun things, right? My mom had breast cancer and I, when you see someone go through a process like that, you realize, fuck, life is so short and so precious. Like, I want to go on vacations with her. Like I want to, you know, um, experience more with her. I want to say all the things I didn't, I couldn't say when she was sick, she's in remission now. So she's good. But you know, it's, it's things like that, 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 uh, make you realize how short life is. I, um, I've been sexually assaulted in a parking lot where I like was physically beat up and in a, you know, in a blink of an eye, things can change really quick. So why not, why not be a badass? Why not tell people? And I, whenever I speak on something and I feel the need to address something with someone, I never come from a place of, I'm going to put this person down or attack that person. It purely comes from a place of, I feel like you need to hear this. It comes from a place of love. And sometimes, you know, um, I'm not, well, I guess I am a confrontational person, but not in a, in a sense of, oh, I'm picking a fight with you. It's mm. no, let's, let's hash this out. Let's talk about it because I never want to leave anything unsaid. I want every, all the cards to be out on the table. Everyone knows exactly who I am. There's not, there's not going to be, you know, an unturned stone somewhere. Uh, what you see on social media, what you, what you get in real life is me and all of me. So yeah, there's things, there's things that are great things that have shaped me and there's, you know, not so great experiences, but they all bring us to this point right now. Yeah. And I think that the thing I loved about what you said really resonated with me is you saw it as practice. Uh, when I was in college, I, I studied politics and I worked at one of the political entities in New Hampshire, which had a lot of like, you know, presidential candidates come in and stuff like that. Wait, and you I didn't work out- at Hooters? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, it was right down the road. It was right down the road. Damn <laughs> but, it. Uh, well, the, I used to get really anxious though. Yeah. And I used to get so anxious and I would, 
almost freeze because I, I grew up without a lot of money. A yeah. lot of the people around me had like all these nice suits and stuff like that. And I was wearing these crappy loafers. And <laughs> it was that same thing though. I was like, if I can introduce myself to five people today, then the next five will get so much easier. And then I just kind of started to have more confidence in the situation. And I think that's so powerful for people to remember. Right. I, I wanted to dive in also and kind of bring it full circle though. So mm -hmm. one of the things that you, we started to dive into was your injury. So you went through this whole process, you competed for years, you've kind of created this platform for you as this fitness influencer and, and right. marketing yourself that way. What happened with the injury first? So that people who may not have actually known what happened, I know you dove into it a little bit, but right. You know, what was the actual injury and what was the, the mindset recovery like? So mm -hmm. how, how did that kind of like shift you as far as like from a mental standpoint of like recovering and trying to regain your ground? Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit here um, with, in regards to what I was doing, I guess, prior to, uh, fitness, I was always in, in the marketing space, right? And Instagram, when Instagram first came out, it was used for fun. It was just like Facebook, right? You posted things that you posted your meal you were having that day. You posted a funny picture of your dog. You posted, a, a, I don't know, just crazy things, right? So it was just for purely for fun and some vanity. You posted progress pictures. I'll look how shredded I look today. I'll look at my progress I've made. And I never saw the need to talk about marketing stuff. I never saw the need to talk about what I did for work, right? This was just a fun platform. And it wasn't until recently that I've seen people, you know, make money on social media. What, what like three years now that people are like selling stuff on, on social media platforms and using the ads. And, and so I never really saw it as a place to talk about what I did for a living. I just thought, okay, this, this was a, a fun place for me to talk about things I like to do for fun. Hmm. So this is where my, my career, my job started to change, right? Because I wasn't having fun anymore doing what I was doing. Um, and the minute that I started having fun with what I was doing, I wanted to talk about it on social media. So when that, when that shift happened, when I, when I made that connection of like, oh my God, I feel so fulfilled in what I'm currently doing. And we'll dive into that in a little bit. I'm so fulfilled in what I'm currently doing that I want to share it with people. I want to talk about it. But at that, at that time, you know, even two years ago, I didn't feel as fulfilled with what I was doing. So I didn't feel the need to talk about it on social media. Hmm. So I always, uh, found myself in a place where I built this platform as a fitness influencer. Fitness was my thing. That's what I did. That was just a part of me though. That was mm -hmm. a part of my life. Um, did it take up a lot of my time? Of course. And it, it also identified who I was in a sense because people were following me for that. So when you're at an expo or you're at a gym in a different location and people are coming up to you like, Oh, you're step row fit. You're step row fit. And taking pictures with you, you start to identify with you're a fitness influencer. So 
Um, and a lot of competitors feel this way too, because a lot of competitors uh, just share their competing part, their, their fitness journey on social media. So they only uh, can really relate to being a fitness influencer. So come February 17th or 16th, I can't even remember now, I'll try to block it out of my memory. Um, I, again, was eight weeks out from a show in Ireland and I was shoulder day and I was, I was walking through the back room at Gold's Gym and I thought to myself, ah, should I start cardio now or should I get this one last set in? And I thought to myself, are you exhausted from your workout? I'm like, nah, let's get one last set in. So I went to the shoulder press machine and I loaded it up. It was my very first set on there. I was just warming up. Thank God. I had 45s on each side and I get to about my third rep and the seat that I was sitting on collapsed mm. and it forced me into the split position with 90 pounds over my head and immediately felt the pop. It was the worst feeling and sound I have ever heard. And somehow I managed to get up and I walk from the back of the gym to the front of the gym, calling my husband and saying, hey, uh, babe, where are you? He's like, I knew he was on his way to the gym. He's like, I'm almost there. I'm like, I, I think I fucked myself up. I, I think I really fucked myself You need to get here. He's like, all right. I was like, don't drive like an asshole because I know my husband. I was like, don't drive like an asshole. Just get here. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to be okay. Just get here. And when I got to the front room, I collapsed by the bathrooms. Like I literally could not walk anymore. My legs just gave out. And... And then all of a sudden the pain shot up because I think my adrenaline was going so, so much so hard that I didn't even feel the pain in my legs till after I collapsed and I was laying on the floor and I tried to roll over. When I tried to roll over, I lifted one of my legs up and it was like, it was like someone kicked me in my hip. Mm. And uh, Tito Raymond was there because he was uh, by one of the squat racks and he had, I think it's one hip replacement. He might have had a double hip replacement, but he had one of his hips replaced. And he comes over, he's like, What happened? I was and I told him what happened. He's like, he's like, try to lift that leg up. I was like, no, Cheeto, I just tried to lift that leg up, and that's why I'm in tears right now. He's like, All right, don't move. You know, let me get management. So management came over. They were, of course, freaked out, right? Um, for like legal purposes. And uh, and then I had Emily Hayden and Val like holding me, and you know, tears are rushing down my face. And it wasn't because of the pain. I was upset that I knew that that was the turning point in my fitness career. Mm. And I might get emotional right now. Shit. <clears throat> I knew that right then and there, I was going to have to make a choice. Whether I was going to stay in fitness or do something else. And that freaked me the fuck out, right? And not to say like do something else, but who was I going to be on social media if I wasn't the fitness person, mm. right? Because we talked about how you identify as that person, even though I knew deep down in my heart, I'm much more than that, but that's the person that I identified with. So um, we, my husband gets there, him and Heath Evans pick me up to put me in the car. And the minute that I put pressure on my legs, I almost passed out and I threw it from the pain. Mm. So uh, we go to the hospital and, you know, MRI confirms two torn uh, rectus fulmaris tendons from the hip, blah, blah, blah. So at this point, I am pissed. I'm, I went from like sadness to anger real quick, like mm. laying in the hospital bed. 
I was just so angry that this had happened. I'm like, oh, and you know, why me? Why did this happen? Like I was eight weeks out from a show and that's a really easy place to go to, right? Feeling sorry yeah. for yourself and being angry about it. And, and then when you're injured and you're so used to your independence, right? You're so used to just doing simple things like taking a shower or um, uh, getting in and out of bed. I couldn't do that on my own. So I had to, whenever I wanted to get in or out of bed, I had to call my husband to like help me get into bed. Um, I couldn't walk down my, my stairs on my front, my front porch. So it was a really humbling time for me because I had to ask for help. And that's always been a hard thing for me to do. Mm. Growing up with a single mother, it's always, you don't need anyone else. Do it your fucking self. And if you can't do it yourself, or if you can't afford it, that was another one. If you can't afford it right off the bat, like if you don't have cash straight up to buy something, you, it's not meant for you. Mm. So she had a very like tough mentality in, in that sense. So it was very hard for me to ask for help for people, from people. Um, when you're injured like that and you're, you kind of feel helpless, you start to do some really deep soul searching. <laughs> <laughs> You start to really look within and you start to read a lot of self-help books. And, uh, and at this point, um, thankfully, thankfully at this point, I'm trying to think that was February, February. Okay. So at this point I had already gone through my life coaching course. I had already been certified. I was already certified as a life coach. So, if, uh, just one question yeah. there. How was it like you'd already done it like months beforehand or you just started it or? So I started it in October and I got okay. hurt in February. Um, mm -hmm. And honestly, that was my saving grace because that was something that I knew I wanted to do, right? But I was so deep into my prep that I couldn't focus on anything else. I couldn't mm -hmm. focus on building my business because I truly believe for you to be 110% at anything, to be really great at something, other things have to give. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to be a very great competitor and get my pro card and go all in, uh, my clients were gonna take the back burner and my business was gonna take the back burner. So I know that about myself. So a lot of people ask me right now, like, Hey, are you thinking about competing? Are you thinking about doing another show? And I'm like, no, not right now, because I really enjoy what I'm doing. I love life coaching and business coaching. I love doing that. You know, I, that would have to take the back burner if I decided to compete again. Do you, was there an internal struggle when you were around October as it was? So as you were taking that course, like, was there a part of you that was already torn about going down that other path? Oh, totally. And what, <laughs> so, what, was, the, what was that like? Yeah. So, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I was, I always, uh, I always had fitness clients, right? I had my, my personal training certification. I had my fitness clients on the side and I, I was constantly having these really in-depth conversations with my clients as to why, you know, they were seeking out help as to why they weren't reaching their goals or, you know, what was going on in their life. And I, I've always wanted to make that connection with my clients so that I can build the best plan for them. It doesn't make sense if I built a plan for a mom of three who has, you know, 
uh, a nine to five and I tell her she has to do double sessions of cardio, that's not going to happen. Right. So I always made sure that I created plans for clients that suited their lifestyle. So as I'm having these conversations with, with clients, I was realizing this isn't fitness coaching. Like it doesn't matter what plan I give them. They're, they may or may not succeed at it because of other things happening in their life. And I didn't know how to really navigate that conversation without leading someone down a rabbit hole, right? Mm -hmm. So that was my own internal fear of like, okay, I know I want to do this. I know that I want to go deeper with my clients, but how do I do it? I want to make sure that I'm doing it properly. I want to make sure that the conversations that I'm having are, are, you know, in such a way that I'm leaving them better than when they first came to me. Mm. So for, for me and, and my confidence, I guess you could say my confidence level and my abilities to coach my clients uh, best, I decided, you know, I'm going to seek out life coaching. And when I started looking at different options, I found this school in San Diego called the Life Purpose Institute. And I hopped on a call with one of their people and they weren't like salesy at all. It was just like, hey, this is what we do. You know, what is it that you want to use life coaching for? You know, talk to us about that. And it was just like ha having a conversation with a friend. And I was like, you know what? If, is this going to help me and my business? Yes. No brainer. No brainer for me. If it's going to help me as a person grow and it's going to help my business so I can potentially bring more clients and help them and obviously make more money, that's, that's a no brainer, right? So, um, when, whenever, you know, I look back at that time, I, I never for a second went back and forth on it. I was like, yes, I want to do it. Right. But it wasn't until I got into the class that I started questioning it and not questioning the class itself, but questioning, uh, my, I guess I, I had maybe bottled up inside and I didn't even know, uh, is life coaching even a thing? right? Is life coaching even a job? And that was one of the things that we tried to work through with, with my, my life coach that I had. And it was, you know, is life coaching even a thing? Is that even an actual job? Is that an actual job title? You know, people are calling themselves that now. And so I struggled with that for a little bit. And then you have conversations with clients, right? Mm -hmm. Then you start making impact. Then you start making the impact. Then you start seeing people's lives change then, you know, your clients are finally feeling heard and they're making changes. And then you're like, oh yeah, this life coaching shit is the real deal. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's, there is a very thin line between life coaching and therapy work. Um, and that was one of the biggest takeaways for me with taking that course is knowing that there is a fine line between life coaching and someone who needs therapy. And also managing my fixer, right? As a life coach, you are there to facilitate and guide a conversation and create a sacred place for your clients to vent out and figure out their own path. You are there to facilitate that conversation. It's not so much advice giving. Mm. And that was something that, that I definitely had to take away because sometimes as coaches, your, your clients can tell you something. And for you, it's black and white. You're like, the answer's right there. Like it's right there. Right. But it's just like when your parents tell you to go clean your room, you're like, nah, I don't want to go clean my room. 
it's until you can't find your precious iPod or whatever that you're going to clean your room, right? Because now the room's messed. So that it has to come from you. The idea has to come from you in order for the change to be sustainable and mm -hmm. for, for the change to actually happen. So for me, it took, you know, it took me working with clients hands-on to be like, oh my God, yes, this is totally a thing. But at first I did have a conflict of, okay, is, is life coaching a thing? And it did take me a few clients to, to realize that the impact was real. And I know that we're jumping around a little bit, but I think that that circles around really well to this point. Now, obviously you're going to have your own take on where you want to go with this, but do you feel like from the injury, it pushed you in the direction that you wanted to go? Or do you feel like you're still kind of in the, in the point of like figuring that part out? Because that's such a like pivotal moment, like mm -hmm. for you to like to have that moment say, okay, this is going to change who I am. Right. Do you feel like that's what happened or, or is it more of like that? It just shifted you to being more in tune with yourself. I think it shifted me to be more in tune with myself for sure. Because I think deep down inside, <clears throat> as much as I love competing, um, it didn't add value to my life. It didn't fulfill me because it, I think it actually, um, this is going to sound terrible. It actually mentally fucked me more than it, it fulfilled me because I always, even on show day, I was like, I'm not good enough. Nope. I could have been leaner, could have been leaner. We'll get them next time. We'll get them next time. And that's what fueled me. It was, it was, um, the not being good enough that fueled me. So it didn't really fulfill me in the sense where I'm like, yeah, I feel good about what I'm doing. The feeling that I get now when I'm coaching someone, the high is 10 times. It, it doesn't even compare. I mean, fitness coaching, if I ever go back to doing a show, um, which I highly doubt I will ever do to be quite honest with you. Um, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't even begin to compare the feeling that I get when I am coaching a client through something difficult or we're, uh, we're working towards their five-year plan or what have you. But um, it definitely, I think it shifted me into the direction that I already knew I wanted to go in. It, mm -hmm. it was just a life's way of being like, well, hurry up and get there then. If you say you want to do this, you know, it's like, all right, if you don't, if I didn't have fitness, what else, what else would I, was I going to do? I had to find an outlet to help other people because that was helping me heal too. If I was helping other people, then my situation wasn't as bad. So um, yeah, I guess, I guess it did propel me into the direction I, I was supposed to already be and I wanted to be in, but it was just life's little way of being like, hurry the fuck up. <laughs> maybe next time, uh, you know, hopefully next time it won't be as brutal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I would have taken a sign on a billboard or something like, yes, do it, Steph. Like, I mean, I guess tearing your quads is, is another way of, uh, of teaching. Yeah, it's, it's like, I hope we don't put that on a billboard. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and I think this is so important for people to understand. So obviously like life coaching, like you said, kind of like falls into a place where it can, it can be multifaceted because it's yeah. all individual based. But what do you feel like are the biggest challenges that some of your clients face and, and from a tactical strategic position, how can someone who might be listening to this, who might have that same issue, find a way or take a couple of steps out of that? Right. Um, and I actually spoke about this on my, on my Instagram, I think it was yesterday. Um, <clears throat> limiting beliefs. Hmm. Biggest one. 
And if you don't know what a limiting belief is, it's that little voice in your head that talks you out of doing things, right? So it's that, um, for example, you know, for example, what I used on my Insta story yesterday was I did a poll asking people if they were scared of speaking on Instagram and doing videos. And it was like an overwhelming number of 85% were like, yes, absolutely. I am scared to speak on Instagram. And then I asked, okay, do you guys want me to make a video on it? Yes, please make a video on it. I'm like, okay. So what are the lies that you are telling yourself from holding you back on doing things that you want to do? For example, speaking on InstaStory. Um, it might be you know, going for that job that you really want to go for or starting your own business or um, God, uh, maybe getting out of a relationship that you no longer want to be in. So there are certain things that hold us back from things that we know we already want to do, but we might be too scared. Um, so some of, some of the examples of limiting beliefs might be, you know, um, I'm, I'm too old to do that marathon. Mm. Okay? Uh, I'm, or I'm too young to call myself a business coach, right? Uh, I'm, I'm not smart enough. I, I'm not worthy enough. Who's going to listen to me? So all these excuses and uh, beliefs that we tell ourselves, we need to identify those. We need to identify the limiting beliefs. And then you kind of go down the line. Okay. When was the first time that I felt like this? When was the first time that I felt like I wasn't worthy? Or when was the first time that I felt like um, that someone made me feel, you know, belittled or or that I was too young to speak my mind or whatever it is. I want mm. you to identify and pinpoint that, that time in your life and who said it to you. So now that we've identified it, now we go into honoring it, which is really weird, right? You're like honor a limiting belief, but that limiting belief was put in place because something happened in your life where your brain created a marker and said, Ooh, that hurt. That stung. I don't want to feel like that anymore. So let's, let's create a marker and, and create a limiting belief around it so that we never feel like that again. So we don't put ourselves out there again. Right. So after you've identified it and you've honored it, I want you to question it. Ask yourself, is it true? Is it really true that I'm too old to start training? Is it really true that I just, you know, I don't have the time or, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not worthy enough of, of this thing. You start to question it and then you realize that it's 99.9% .9 of the time, not true at all. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's taking the minute. A lot of people that I hop on coaching calls with, and I ask them, when was the last time that you gave yourself 20 minutes of silence? Uh, never. Mm -hmm. Sometimes sitting in silence is all the life coaching you need. And not to lose clients here, not to lose clients here, but, <laughs> but that's sometimes all you need is just to sit in silence and let, let your brain journal, you know, jot things down, um, figure out what you really want in life. But I think the biggest thing that people can just do at home is identify what those limiting beliefs are that are holding them back. What are the lies that we've conditioned ourselves to believe? Identify them, say, thank you, limiting belief for keeping us safe all these years. And and then question it and go from there. Questioning it is going to be a really, really big one, but um, is identifying those limiting beliefs that are holding you back is, is something that everyone can do in their lives. It's just giving yourself the space to do it. Mm -hmm. And seeing it as a necessity. Right. Totally is. Totally is.
It's because almost like by me spending time to ask myself questions and think that's not productive because I'm not actually moving towards it. I don't know if that's what you find. That's one of the things I think that I, I was, I was journaling about this. I used to think of journaling as like, I had to be like some kind of Lewis and Clark voyage of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That were like meaningful from the day, but it can just be as simple as asking questions. Yeah. I don't know if that, just, that's what like, no, no, I d definitely. Um, giving yourself the, the time. I mean, a lot of the time when I hop on coaching calls, I do ask a series of questions that they can journal from. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the questions within itself will help navigate someone's journaling. Um, but go ahead. What, well, what's one, what's one of the most powerful questions that you feel like people gain perspective from? Or maybe one that you, while you're going through your own journey, like that was the most helpful for you to think of. Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, is just <laughs> as funny as it sounds, asking people what they want. Hmm. What do you want? What do you want out of life? Right? Everyone, we, we go through the motions of life a lot of the time. We wake up, we have a cup of coffee, we use the restroom, we take our dog out, we go to work. We're miserable at work. We answer emails. We come back home. We take our dog out again. We might go to a bar with a friend and then we come back home. And it's, you know, however many days, however many years, it's just a cycle. And mm -hmm. all in that time, you have still not sat down and given yourself those 20 minutes to fucking journal. Right? <laughs> so we, we get stuck in the cycle of just life and going through the motions of life instead of asking ourselves, okay, what do I really want? And I actually, I actually have this conversation with potential clients. And it was one of the big ones I had today, actually, with um, a pot potential client of mine. She's a, a competitor as well. <clears throat> and I asked her, I said, okay, where do you see yourself three years from now? And she answered, you know, I just, I want to have like just a sustainable company. I, I just want to make sure that the money is coming in. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what I asked you. Where do you see yourself three years from now. And she's like, Oh, well, you know, it's just kind of stressful. I'm like, that's good. I want, I want it to be scary and I want it to fucking freak you out. And I want it to stress you out. What do you, where do you see yourself in three years? She's like, all right, well, I want to own my own facility, right? Where there's a little cafe and there's, uh, uh, like a, a place where dogs can play in the back and there's childcare and it's a gym and there's like a yoga studio. She like painted this whole picture of this gym that she wanted. She goes, and I want people to work under me and I want to be able to, you know, vacation with my family and, and uh, you know, just really impact people's lives and make it a community. I was like, all right, now we're talking. That's, mm. that's a vision, right? Three years from now, you want to own your own building with all these awesome elements to it. Um, Okay, perfect. If that's what you want to do in three years, what do we need to do two years from now? What do we need to do a year from now? What do we need to do in the next six months? And what do we need to do right now? Mm. What choices do you have to make right now in order to make that happen? Is it, you know, and, and I don't go into, and this is a shift that I had to do mentally, but I don't go into any of my calls thinking, okay, sales call. I think, okay, mm. How can I help this person get excited about their fucking life? Because a lot of the time when people come to, to a life coach or a business coach, sometimes they're in a rut. 
they're in the mental rut, they kind of know what they want out of life or they've kind of, uh, I think I want to do this. But a lot of time they're in a rut. So your job is essentially being a hype man mm. and get them excited about their own life. So tell me what it is that you want three years from now. And having that conversation gets them excited enough to start working on whatever it is that they want to do. So I think asking people and giving them the space to answer that question is really, really powerful. Mm, I love that. I really do love that. One of the things that I discovered about you as I was doing some research for this content and for the questions was that you've been talking about a lot of this stuff for most of your time on social media. So one of your first <laughs> videos was about motivation and mindset and really creating an internal feeling that allowed you to move towards your goals. My question was for you, who or what have been the greatest amount of influence on some of your mindset or personal development? Oh, I know this is going to sound cheesy. Definitely my mother. Mm. Definitely my mother because um, she's gone through so much. Uh, so she has, um, she's had breast cancer. She's had uh, multiple surgeries where her body produces cysts. She's had a hysterectomy. Um, so she's had all sorts of things. Her childhood upbringing was absolutely terrible. <clears throat> she, she's just ha has not had it easy by mm -hmm. any stretch of the imagination. And she is the happiest person I know, <laughs> like has never, even when she, she, you know, had cancer. I, I literally never saw her in a bad, uh, in a bad place mentally, you know, mm -hmm. whether she was holding it back. So no one saw, mm -hmm. um, I I'm never going to know that, but what she portrayed to others was I'm fine guys. This is fine. Like, you know, we're, we're totally going to get through this, you know, don't worry. This is just, uh, you know, getting, helping me get energized so we can go salsa dancing. So it's, she's, she's always been such a light in everyone's life mm -hmm. that it's almost like I want to, I want to be that person too. I want to be that light in people's lives. And if you ask, anyone that I've grown up with, um, or, you know, people that have known me as, as a child, I have always been the same. I have always been the same, you know, from maybe opening up a little bit more and, and not being afraid to speak my mind and just being a lot more social. I have always been the same person. There's been a few, you know, uh, in, instances where I've reached out to my mom. I'm like, Hey, I just had a weird, like a weird flash of a memory. Is this true? She's like, yeah, that's totally true. Um, but you know, for example, we were, I, I called her a few days ago, uh, while it was raining here in LA and I had to do some content creating for a company that I do marketing for. And so I had a bunch of different snacks in my car and I rolled down my window and I handed it to a homeless person that was standing on the corner. And out of nowhere, this like, memory came back in my brain. And so I called my mom. I was like, Hey, did this happen? And she goes, yeah, you were four years old. And we had just gotten out of the grocery store. We were in the car. And I, I told her the cross streets that we were at. I was like, we were on Overland and Venice. We were making wow. a left on Overland and Venice. Right. And, and, um, and I, I rolled down the windows and I handed, uh, the homeless guy that was on the corner when I was four years old, I handed him bags of groceries. <laughs> 
And so, but that's, that's who, you know, my mother saw that I was doing it. And usually a parent would be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, we just bought groceries and you're just handing it off. But my mom is that same exact person. So mm-hmm. I grew up watching that. She's so giving and so loving and just such a light that she was the best influence for me, I think. Um, and I, I want to be more like her. So, so she would be definitely the biggest motivator in my life for sure. I love that. That's powerful. What do you feel like, I, I want to kind of dive into one last piece about actual habit change. What do you feel like is the most practical way for someone to get to the root of their bad habits? So a lot of times, a lot of times, I mean, obviously like you and I, I do believe come from very similar positions with our clients. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I find is that a lot of times it's self-sabotage is one of the biggest reasons why we don't get what we want. And so I wanted to get your take on addressing the roots of bad habits. Like how, how does someone who's overeating or sabotaging their work or maybe sabotaging their relationship or whatever, how do they actually address what's going on rather than just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks? So, I mean, that's a really big one. Self-sabotage, especially Mm -hmm. in the, the fitness or just health and wellness Um, and again, you, you have to bring it back to, you know, why are they doing this? Is it, have they created a, a relationship with food? Does food make them feel happy? When did they start making this bad relationship with food, a connection? Was it when they were in high school and, you know, some, someone called them overweight and they just felt like, you know, food brought them those quick endorphins and made them happy. And that dopamine, you know, rise through food and they felt safe when they went home and they were in their room and they ate by themselves that, mm-hmm. that made them feel safe. Right. So we need to figure out what that connection is of why they're self-sabotaging. Once you realize why, and, and sometimes it's literally people can pinpoint it to one specific incident. I had a client that told me that the minute she realized she was unworthy was when she was, she, she said either kindergarten or preschool. I'm I'm thinking it's kindergarten people when they first start to like uh, read maybe first grade, she was very, very young and they were, they had reading time and you had to break up into partners in order to, to, you know, read with your partner and she was going to go read in like this little nook. It was like under a table and she was a little bit heavier set. And the kid that she was going to read with told her, Oh, you don't fit under there. You're going to get stuck. And that's that little, that moment, that moment in time when she was in first grade and, and that kid, that little shithead <laughs> said that to her, it changed the whole trajectory of her life. Because from that moment on, she felt like she was not good enough. She was embarrassed about her weight and she was not good enough. She, she wasn't going to do certain things because her weight was going to hold her back. Right. So she had a, a terrible relationship with food. And that was the, that was the defining moment that she remembers that really stuck with her. I mean, to be that young and remember that specific incident, and what someone said to you at that young mm. of an age, it creates markers. So it creates those limiting beliefs, right? Um, So again, addressing those limiting beliefs, questioning the limiting beliefs, and then realizing why you want to get fit. 
put those, what, what I like to call them as SMART goals, right? So SMART is an acronym. Um, and you want to you wanna set very specific goals. So that's what the S is, specific goals, measurable goals. You want to have some sort of accountability. You want them to be realistic goals. And you want them to be timely. You want to set some sort of like time parameter around this goal. So when you're speaking to a client or even someone that's just at home and listening to this uh, or in the car, wherever you're at, you know, think about why you have self-sabotage or why you haven't gotten to the goal that you're at. Think about that limiting belief that's been holding you back, right? And then think about why you want to accomplish that goal. Mm. It's, it's the, the three layers of the whys when you're having conversations with clients. Okay. Why did you reach out to me? Oh, I want to get fit. Let's say it's a fitness client. I want to get fit. Okay. And you don't just ask why three times. You kind of circle around in different ways. But okay, why do you want to get fit? Oh, I just, I want to feel more confident. Okay. Why do you want to feel more confident? Well, I want to feel more confident because I haven't had sex with my husband in four months. And when we do, I have to have sex with the lights off because I hate the way that I look. That right there is your why. It's because you want to save your marriage. It's because you want to have a long, healthy life so that you can see your kids grow up. It's because you don't want to feel embarrassed when your child is playing soccer and you are at a soccer game and you're the overweight mom or overweight dad, right? So those are the whys. So when your clients feel like giving up and they might call you and be like, fuck, Brian, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I'm just not feeling it this week. You have to bring it back home and be like, all right, let's talk about it. You told me the X, Y, and Z, these are your whys. Hmm. And all of a sudden you will see that their, their mindset around the school changes again. They're like, okay, you're right. You're right. I'm not doing this to look good. I'm not doing this because the, the, the pounds are dropping. I'm doing this because I want to save my marriage. I'm doing this because, you know, X, Y, and Z. So it's identifying it, questioning the limiting belief, and then, and then really setting those whys, those goals around your whys. Once you set the goals around the whys, it's, it's, it becomes a lot easier. I'm not gonna say a walk in the park. It becomes a lot uh, easier to stay on track and be like, okay, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that why factor should definitely propel you and motivate you to keep on going every single day. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I think that's so powerful for anyone who's listening because then they'll yeah. have the perspective. And that's, that, that's really what I wanted to get at too, because I think that it's so easy to say like, Oh, I want to get in shape because I want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. It's like, right, no, no, that's not what you want. Right. <laughs> you know, there's obviously right. like, that's, that's like the, I, I usually refer to it as like, that's the vehicle, not the destination. Mm -hmm. you know, Definitely. Like that's, that's where you're going. One of the things I want to do as we're kind of like winding down, I wanted to do more of a rapid fire question set about who's oh, okay. hell. <laughs> so this, would, this would be a little more fun. Okay. Um, one of my first questions is, or it's multifaceted, is where does the love of dogs come from and which one of your dogs is your favorite? Oh, <laughs> okay. So the love of dogs, I swear to you, I'm, I'm going to revert it back to my childhood. Um, we had so many dog movies growing up. I mean, I'm older than you, Brian, but there was, there was a uh, Homeward Bound, which was about lost dogs. I mean, that one really, excuse my French, fucked me up. I'm like, no dog shall ever be lost again. And then there was 101 Dalmatians. There was Beethoven. There was Old Yeller, Benji. 
I mean, literally, I think I thought I was a dog for the first three years of my life. I barked before I could talk. So um, I think my childhood really screwed me up. I, I have always had a dog. I've never been without a dog. Mm. Um, and my, my, one of my very first gifts that I can remember um, from my favorite person, my grandmother, uh, she gifted me a dog on Easter. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a gift from my favorite person. So that was, that was easy. So I think, you know, I've always been an animal lover, but uh, dogs for sure are, are on the top of that. And my favorite, I mean, there's no question about it, Bruce, <laughs> the Weimariner. That's my longest relationship. I've had Bruce for 10 years. So I've known him longer than I've known Brad. And if uh, my husband already knows this, if it comes down choosing between my husband or Bruce, it's Bruce every single time. Yes. <laughs> I love that. What is your superpower and what is your kryptonite? My superpower is, can also, can also be um, one of my downfalls is I apparently have a face that says, tell me everything. So, um, so sometimes, um, I, I get stuck in situations with, and and, and not going to say it's stuck, but stuck in situations where I meet a random stranger and all of a sudden it's like, boom, diarrhea of the mouth. And I'm like, okay. But it's, it's in a way, it's really, really awesome that people feel comfortable with me and, and feel like they can open up with me. And so it, it really is is a gift, but sometimes I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? Where I feel like um, it's, it, sometimes it's, uh, it blindsides me for sure. But I think one of my, my greatest strengths is, and my superpower, I guess would be, is just making people feel comfortable enough to tell me anything. Mm. And I, even, even when I'm speaking to a friend, I think they know that every conversation they have with me is almost like a non-disclosure agreement. Like whatever is said between me and a friend stays between a friend and I and never leaves that room. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that would be my kryptonite. That's all right. All right. That's what makes you a great coach. That's what makes you a great coach. Thank you. Thank you. What is, what is the one characteristic that you respect the most in others? Kindness. Mm. Kindness, um, I think, is is one of the most important. Like empathy and kindness are the most important uh, characteristics for me, especially when when uh, when you know that that person is not doing it for any specific reason, but just to be kind. Mm. I I feel like I'm really good at reading people, and I'm not a fan when I see or feel like. Uh, someone is doing something to benefit themselves in a sense where it's like they're expecting something in return. They do something nice to expect something in return. I really love when I see people just doing something kind because it comes from the heart. So I think Mm -hmm. kindness is, is one of the biggest characteristics that I love seeing in people. What is one piece of advice you would give yourself 20 years from now? Shit. (laughs) That question's usually backward, backwards. It's usually like 20 years ago. What, would, what advice would you have given yourself 20 years ago? So 20 years from now, um, to kind of always remember where you came from. 
because I'm hoping 20 years from now, I am extremely successful and have multiple businesses. And um, so just kind of always remember what got you to where you're at, which is connection and engaging with people. Mm -hmm. So always bring it back to that. Sometimes when you have a million things going on and you know, uh, you have a million businesses going on and you're really wealthy and you're well off. Sometimes you get to forget where you came from and what got you to where you're at. So for me, it's always going to be the connection and engaging. So just, a friend, uh, just give myself a friendly reminder to always remember what got me to where I'm at. Mm, I love that. And last one is what's your one rule for life? My one rule for life, live each day like it's your last. And I'm not just pulling that out of my ass. <laughs> like, oh, that sounds like a good quote. Let's throw that in there. It's actually something I found, a letter that I wrote to myself when I was a senior in high school on a retreat. And that, that was the last line of the letter to myself that I wrote. I don't want to age myself here, but uh, 14 years ago. <laughs> so 14 years ago, I wrote a letter to myself. And on that very, the very last line of that letter said, live each day like it's your last. Mm. So that's, love that. yeah, that would be it for me. And so where can people find you? What are some of the current projects you're working on? Just kind of throw those yeah. in there so everyone has um, an idea where they can find you. So, um, Instagram is where I'm, I guess I'm most active and that's Stefro fit. <laughs> Brian, I've been going back and forth. I'm trying to find a good handle and everything is taken. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll chat about that some other time, but yeah. Stefro fit, <laughs> um, fit Instagram, my YouTube channel, Stephanie Rowe. I am putting out weekly videos as of I think next week. I took a little hiatus for about a month. Uh, my videographer was doing some traveling, so she left me for a month. So she, she needed the break. Um, so I'm starting back up next week. Um, and those are the, I think the two biggest platforms I'm on Facebook, but I really, uh, uh, I, I have, I have my, my feelings about Facebook. Sometimes, uh, I do have like a private group that I have for my clients. Mm -hmm. So there is a private group there that I, I do run. And as far as projects that I'm working on, uh, I do have an eight week business course that I, I fill up every, you know, two or three months and it's usually eight to 10 clients. Uh, I actually like to keep it at, at eight. I think going overboard more than eight tends to cut into timeframes and a lot of people can't uh, ask questions and engage as much. So I have an eight week business course and then I do one-on-one -on -one, uh, life coaching. So those are the two things I'm mostly working on and, yeah, those are, that's where you can find me. And they can learn more about your coaching at your Instagram. Yeah. Way. So if, yeah, yeah. If, uh, if you go to my Instagram, there is a link in my bio where you fill out a questionnaire and it's just 13 questions. It's just for me to get a feel of, you know, if you want life coaching or business coaching and where you're at in your business or life and what are the things that you want to work on the most, just so I have an idea of how to guide the conversation. So once you fill that out, then I schedule, I send you a link and you schedule a call with me and it's free. It's 30 minutes and we just figure it out and see if it's a good fit for one another. And we go from there. I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, so thank you so much, Steph. This has been amazing. I, I, like I said, I love, I love where you're at right now. I, I feel just 
being obviously friends with you and just hearing more about your story like you're just such a powerful light and i'm really excited to see how this continues to grow thank you thank you i'm i'm excited to kind of maybe in like a year from now listen to this podcast again (laughs) right and see like holy shit look what happened in a year because i i honestly feel that everyone is one decision away Mm. from changing their entire entire life and I took that from, you know, uh, God, I don't know her last name, Laura from the gym, tall Laura, tall Laura, sorry, tall Laura. <laughs> ah, I'd have to meet her. I'm sorry. Uh, I've, okay, I've so, probably, probably met her. I probably have. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was having a conversation with her and that was her, one of the things that stuck with me the most that she said, she goes, everyone is one decision away from changing their entire life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's just, that really stuck with me and it's completely true. So actually that might be a really great segue. The next person you have on here is, is Laura. Cause she has a crazy story. She lost 150 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to. So, so she'll be the next person on your podcast. <laughs> Perfect. We're building it up. <laughs> no, this is amazing. Thank you so much, Steph. I really appreciate it. So make sure you guys check her out, follow her. And like, like she said, you can get into a position where if you're looking for a life coach or looking for a business mentor, she's the perfect person for you and she will guide you on your journey to becoming your best. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad you had fun. I'm glad you had fun. All right, awesome. sweet. I'll see you tomorrow, Brian. Thank you, Steph. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for tuning in today to my journey. I hope this episode brought some value and light into your life. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and shout us out on your Instagram story so we can share this message with as many people as possible. And if you're ready to start your own journey, reach out to me at brianpickwitz.com forward slash start. And until next time, thank you again. And remember, the journey starts with you. I'll see you guys.